And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, the Colossus arrives at a beautiful planet. It really is a beautiful planet. This is such a gorgeous fucking episode. That Captain Dozo hopes will be the new home for the Colossus, but the world's inhabitants may not be so welcoming. There will be... Hey, Griff finally gets to do stuff! Yay, Griff content! And we find a brand new world, and Queen Lucy is in the house. We're talking about the new world this week. How you doing, Cleus? Not bad, not bad. I'm not doing bad either. I'm actually having a pretty darn good day. I, I, listeners, about five, like five minutes before we started recording, I was like, Chris, I'm going to be a few minutes late. And that was because I was eating an ice cream sandwich and it was totally worth being five minutes late recording just to have like this delicious chocolatey vanilla goodness and just be like, mmm. Well, I wish I could make an ice cream sandwich last five minutes i usually polish them off in like 30 seconds well yeah you kind of have to because then they start sliding yep. out of there and yep. but it was just like that oh i had a i had a moment of zen before recording and it was totally worth being late so not that this is late for any of you guys this is out the normal time so well, welcome <laughs> Did you have a good week so far so good that's good. I, I kind of feel the same way. I've had a pretty good week so far. I can't really complain. Getting caught up over on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. I just edited the final episode of Gravity Falls. So, and all I have left is our series recap. So, have have fun over there, too. So, we're, it's coming along. It's been, uh, it's been getting cool here, but then today it was just hot and sweaty. We, we have Nicholas um, moseying our way. Um, now it's a tropical storm, but it was Hurricane Nicholas last night, and it's moseying our way, so, like, it's been so fallish. I've been sleeping, my window's open, and I walked outside today to do, like, my morning, like, w- when it's cold, I love stepping outside and, like, drinking that first sip of coffee when it's cold outside, and I stepped outside, and it was like a wall of humidity hit me in the face, and I was like, yeah. no, summer, go away, why? Coffee just tastes better when it's cold. Again, it's anything. I had my first pumpkin spice latte over the weekend because oh, I am I am a white girl. You're white. Yeah. I am a white girl, yeah. and I, me and Billy made a trip to go get them this weekend because we were just you, like, let's go. You know what I got in my freezer? Huh? Pumpkin pie ice cream. Oh, 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 that sounds amazing. Yeah, it is. It's got sort of like whipped cream ice cream in it, and <gasps> pumpkin ice cream, and then it's got chunks of. Uh, pie crust oh so. my god that sounds amazing yeah it's good i wish i wish you weren't so far away so i could just like slide up and be like give me ice cream and i'll pet bernice for you <laughs> you guys don't have wegmans yet do you we might have a wegmans like like store uh, like a side store or something wegmans so, near me wegmans they they might have liquor stores down there by now maybe they might have 
if they have Wegmans down there, it was actually Wegmans brand. So if you have a Wegmans down there, you might be able to you might be able to scare some up. Yeah, Wegmans food. It is good. It's the, unlike a lot. Of, the closest Wegmans is I live in Atlanta, and the closest ones in North Carolina and Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're making their way. They're making their way all over the country, though. It won't be long. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> they probably have to bribe some zoning people in, in Georgia to 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 outbribe whatever you guys got their publics or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we have... We Piggly have Wiggly. The Piggly Wigglies have been, like, pushed back to the mountains here, and now we have, like, Kroger's and Publix battling it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a war. The yeah, Piggly it, Wigglies have been pushed back to the mountains. <laughs> you only see them in the mountains of Georgia, and, like, the Ingles are slowly dying as well. Like, um, there used to be a bunch of Ingles around here, and now there's only one. And uh, they've slowly been pushed back, but you can find, like, three Kroger's within, like... 10 miles of each other and just and like same thing with Publix. They're all like yeah. within like a few like yeah, eventually yeah. there'll be a giant Kroger's robot and a giant Wegman's robot fighting for supremacy in the hills. Yep, yep. And so there is this one cool piggly wiggly. I think it's in I wanna say North Car either North Carolina or Georgia Mountains, like right around that border. And it was at the base of a hill, like in the valley. And then I guess they own the acreage behind it because the all the way up the side of like this mountain was just nothing but like thousands of pig statues behind the piggly wiggly and i just remember staring at it going that's cool also i'm in the mountains <laughs> yes <laughs> that is a thing that you only see in the mountains and i was like yes this is i am in the mountains <laughs> but it was really cool though i remember just like looking at it and it definitely left an impression on me so Speaking of things leaving impressions, what did you think of this episode? I liked it. I liked this episode a lot too. I this... mean, I had a couple little minor, minor quibbles with it, but for generally, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was interest. It was interesting. It was really good, but it was, it was, it was interesting. My my biggest quibble is actually more in retrospect to the rest of the show, um, and it's it's not the actual episode's fault. Um, so, yeah. Well, are you ready to get into it? Yes. <clears throat> the New World is the 36th episode of Star Wars Resistance. I was about to say Clone Wars. Holy shit. Clone <laughs> Wars Resistance. I don't know where that came from, but I felt the, like the CL sound forming in my mouth and in my brain at the exact same time. Anyway, it aired on January 12th, 2020. It was written by Bad Batches, Jennifer Corbett, and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. The Aeotian Queen is voiced by Lucy Lawless. Her other roles include Ash vs. Evil Dead, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Battlestar Galactica, but she is best known for being Xena, Warrior Princess. This episode was originally going to start with Kaz thinking that, because of the recent pirate mutiny, that the... Um, Wow, what the fuck did I write here? This episode was originally going to start with when the Colossus came out of hyperspace and was shaking. He thought the pirates had returned to attack them, but they decided to cut that from the episode. The decrepit holographic display table that Cass finds in the abandoned rebel base is the same design as the one Princess Leia and General Dodonna used during the Battle of Yavin in Star Wars A New Hope. 
one of Griff's earlier lines to Kaz cut from the episode says a lot about him. And the line was, here's a tip, kid. Talk less. Our five's been with me for years and we've rarely spoken. It's the best relationship I've ever had. The fish like Aeotians are not to Star Wars alien species from the same from the planet Maramir and carries personal significance for the series art director Amy Beth Christensen. Soul Sixa from the game Star Wars Jedi Starfighter was a, the first new alien species that I designed for Star Wars Galaxy, says Christensen. So it was fun. So it was a fun opportunity to come full circle and use the mirror as a visual jumping point for the Aeotians. And finally, the oceans need to look like they had technology, but at, but at one with nature and the world around them. The ocean armor and most of the shapes from the species technologies were based off natural elements like crustaceans armors and complex seashell shapes. The further, that's really hard to say, complex seashell shapes. <laughs> To further illustrate that the ocean's balance of technology and nature, the design team added veins of gold to run through all the sea rocks in all the ocean tunnels, which visually tie the gold medal back into the aliens' armors and their weapons. You know who's also my golden boy? Golden Yoda. Yes. Mm, you know, in hindsight, that was not the best segue. <laughs> Yoda doesn't get it. Good, good, good. I would be very scared if you did. Hi, Yoda. Hello. So, I have a question for you. A question for Yoda? Yes. Why is Yoda? It's a very important question. Maybe the most important question I've ever asked you. Mm -hmm. Are you ready, Grandmaster Yoda? Grandmaster yes, Yoda. My midichlorians are tingling. So this week we're on a beach planet. What is your beach routine? Mm, oh, um, Yoda likes space cocoa butter and desperation. Yes. Takes <laughs> that to the beach. Mm. Takes a beach ball droid. Yes. Um... Yoda puts on his thong, thongity, thong, 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 long, long. Play space badminton. Yes. Space volleyball. Yes. Thong gets all up in there. Yes. Sand gets up Sand. in there. Sand gets everywhere. And no Anakin hanging around. <laughs> we all know Ever that. At we all know that Anakin is hanging, if you know what I mean. No beach. No beach for Anakin, no. <laughs> so, uh, do you do you like to go to, like, kind of quiet um, beaches, or do you like beaches with a lot of people around? Uh, lots of surf. Yoda likes to body surf, yes. But do you like him, like, more of a private beach or something with a lot of people? Lots of people. Aww. Lots of people. Yoda gets lonely, needs to watch people in their thong, 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 thongs. Thong, 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 thong. I'm really scared to ask thong. this question, but do you prefer beaches like that or nude beaches? I'm scared of the answer. Um, Yoda doesn't care. In Star Wars, nobody knows if anybody's naked 100% anyway. That's a very <laughs> Never, 
never can be sure. Oh, well, thank you so much, Yoda. And wow, summer's almost over, so you gotta get in that beach time while you can. Yes, lots of people in Star Wars just wear, like, bandolier. Kinky. Mm. Well, you take your thong, 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 and mm-hmm. go. <laughs> yes, Yoda hates to go, but Yoda knows you love to watch him leave. <laughs> uh, spray the spray yourself down before you come back inside. Get that sand off you. Don't track mm. it inside. If we could only trade him to spray himself, that would be awesome. Ugh, ugh. I'm not going to get that thong image out of my head. <laughs> His tiny little butt cheeks. Droopy little old man, like, whizzled out, like, old, like half-dead balloon butt. I was thinking more like shriveled peas. Just two shriveled peas together. Yeah, no, it looks like somebody who had, like, big cheeks that have just collapsed. <laughs> like, two, two dead balloons. He would be the kind of person who would just, like, not realize that, like, he slipped out and just is just walking around. I I get the feeling that even when he was young, Yoda had a saggy buddy. There was never, like, a, a tight bun Yoda walking around proudly in his, in his, in his, uh, Daisy Dukes. <laughs> space, space Daisy Dukes. There is a photo, I think, of a Grogu doll that, like, when you open its cloak, like, it's horrifying, like, Ken doll underneath. Oh, jeez. Grogu <laughs> without robe. Yeah, like, it's, uh, yep, 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 if you, like, Google, like, Grogu without robe, you can see it. It is horrifying. It just looks <laughs> like a little frog. But he weirdly still has, like, hips and a stomach. I'm looking at it right now. Like, he's slender on the top. And then he has this, like, almost like a goat. You know how goats have kind of, like, round butts? That's what his bottom looks like. If we weren't in America where we're such Puritans, you could have just given him a little little beeper and nobody would have cared, you know? They would have been like, aww. (laughs) Look at his little beeper! Little baby beeper and and nobody would have, you know, made a big deal out of it because all little babies have their, their little booper beepers. I mean, it's like we used to say when we were watching Rebels, all the men in Rebels are Ken dolls, and that's just how it is in Star Wars animation. Everybody just is Ken doll. Look at Kanan Jarrus. Look at the Grand Inquisitor. They are just smooth and round, and I'm just like, <laughs> yep, Ken doll. Anyway, Act 1. Sure. On that note of how did Kanan procreate when he's a Ken doll? They just might have had space cod pieces. You just reminded me. <laughs> if you ever want a fun time, and this is a real thing they used to do, Google medieval penis armor. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet Mid- they did. Medieval penis armor for, like, knights is so fucking hilarious. And they're so just, they're great. I love them. And I'm just like, mm. Yep. Anyway, Act One. Go Google that and pause. Pause the episode and go Google that. Google that, listener. Have fun. Right, Don't anyway, get I- it too close to the fire. That's all I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff doesn't cut. It takes like 20 minutes to take that shit off. You're just in trouble if you if you get too close to the fire with your armor on. You know somebody did though, and they were just like, "Well, oh yeah, yeah." I'm impotent now. <laughs> 
and that's how a lot of people survive, like suffocated. Like if they fell face first on the ba- battlefield and in a puddle, they would just drown because they yeah. couldn't get up. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, Act One. Act One. <laughs> <laughs> we open with Kaz working on the fireball, and he's all just like, "Do do do do. I need a brand new stabilizer, even though I'm in the middle of war and I have no idea where I'm going to get a brand new stabilizer from because I can't go to Space Walmart anymore." And he's there, and the Colossus starts shaking, and he's like, why is the Colossus shaking? What's happening, CB-23? And he goes running through the hallways, all dramatic, and the music's all like, dun-dun-dun, Kaz is looking for trouble, running towards trouble. But it's actually really not, because he runs into Niku. And Niku's like, oh, hi, Kaz. We've landed on a brand new planet. And the window is open, and we see, hands down, the most beautiful world. It's so gorgeous, and it looks great. And they have arrived in the planet on the planet of Eos. So they go to Captain Dad, and uh, Doza is like, "Oh hi, Kazuda. We live here now." And Kaz is like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, Giger and I are here because we're landing here, and we're gonna live here on Eos." And Kaz is like, "Uh." Do you think it's really safe to, like, settle in and, you know, sink the Colossus back into the ocean and, you know, settle in and not move when we're being actively hunted in war? And Dosa offers a good argument. He's like, look, I know we're in a war, but I have to do what's best for my people. And they want to settle. And we don't know how long we're going to have supplies. And if we keep moving around again, we could chance running out of all the supplies that we have. So Kaz is like... I have a dilemma because I don't want to leave home. <laughs> so anyway, Yeager gets together all the aces and he's like, hey, aces, we want to make sure that this planet is super duper safe. So pair off and go do a sector search and go out there and find us and make sure you find nothing because we want to live here now. So Kaz is paired off with Griff and Griff finally gets to do stuff. I'm so excited. Freya and Bo are both so jealous because Griff finally gets to be a real character and they never get to. And they're just so jealous of Griff right now. So Kaz and Griff are Freya might have got as much time as Griff in the all in the all said and done. Freya? Yeah, character wise. I, I mean, at least we got Griff's backstory. What do we yeah, know about that's Freya? True. That's true. <laughs> We, we know nothing about her other than she's Lady Ace. That's true. Got it. Um, so anyway, Griff and uh, Kaz are flying around. And Kaz is like, Griff, what if we didn't settle here on this new world? Would the Colossus be safe? Do we, do we not go out and fight the war for us to truly be safe? we not go out and be resistance fighters and griff is like oh my god shut up just do your fucking job kid damn it so they're flying around and they see an abandoned village and they're like oh look a village and they decide to land and as they're walking across the the rocky plain or whatever we get griff's backstory and Cass is like, so tell me your mysterious past, Griff. And Griff's like, well, it's not that mysterious. Uh, captain Dozo was a really good captain in the Empire, and he got disenfranchised probably by his wife. And he decided to leave, and I went with him because he was a really good captain. And it was for the best because the Empire fell, and we didn't die or get arrested. So worked out for me. 
And Kaz is like, cool, cool. That was not as mysterious as I thought, but still really cool. But oh no, as they're having this really great backstory, someone is watching them. Bum, bum, bum. So they get to the village, and it's very clear that this village has very recently been attacked. And Kaz is just like, oh no, everyone's going to be so sad that we can't land in the ocean planet. Guess I'm going to have to go break the news to everybody. What's this? Is this a First Order Trooper helmet? Oh no, we can't stay here anymore. I guess I can't go back to the Resistance and leave my house. But he's like, hey Griff. Look, I found our First Order Trooper helmet, and Griff's not there because he just decided to fuck off on his own and leave Kaz behind. So Kaz and CB-23 go into a cave, and they're like, it's really dark and spooky down here. Griff, Griff, are you here? And when Kaz gets deeper into the cave, he finds this abandoned rebel command center, and he's just like, whoa, it looks like a new hope in here, but underwater. This place probably flood during high tide. It probably wasn't really good, but awesome. Rebel stuff. Nice. And then he comes, he figures out that the First Order Trooper is probably hunting down these outposts and destroying them. And he's like, it's not safe here, CB-23. We, we gotta go warn them. Griff, Griff decided to fuck off on his own, CB. We just got, we gotta go warn the Colossus. But when he tries to leave to warn the Colossus, he runs into the oceans. Fish people with spears. And he's surrounded. Bum, bum, bum. Fish people, fish, fish people. people. What did you think of Act 1? It was good. Um, it's, uh, you know what, you, you know what the planet looks like? It, well, besides, it's kind of cool. You don't often see planets with rings in them. In, yeah, and they're always in the Wars. sky, and it's so pretty. And it's it's a, so pretty. Well, it's basically like Earth without any land masses on it. <laughs> it's just like a big water Earth. So it's just this beautiful, like, glowing blue ball. So, yeah, it's, it's really neat. Mm-hmm. And once again, just... Great lighting all around. There's a scene in the beginning of this that I remember when we were talking about uh, the last season of uh, Clone Wars and how they so it was it was sort of a departure because of the technology where they could do you know more cinematic stuff like more like they're shooting with a real camera and have like the backgrounds be out of focus and stuff. Oh yeah, I remember that. But they were doing that. In this episode, there's a shot of the Colossus, and the background, you know, they're going out towards the front of the Colossus to look down into the planet. And uh, as you know, you're just sort of following, I, I think it's Niku, but it's several characters are walking that way, and you're just the camera's following them and sort of passing them. And and as and as it comes on characters and passes them and things, the focus shifts. So things are coming into focus and then going back out of focus. It was just real. It, it was so. It was so something you just used to seeing with cameras and stuff that you don't think about it. But yeah. because we had that conversation, I was thinking because I was like, oh, look how background. And then as it started moving, I'm like, oh, I wonder if they'll come into focus. And oh, sure enough, they did. It was just really neat. Actually, I have a little subtle animation thing, too, that I noticed. Um, and it's it's when Griff is telling his backstory for cats and they're walking across that rocky ground. And it's just them walking but I started noticing that they were kind of moving up and down, and it's so subtle. But you can talk, see 
in their feet and their ankles and how they're like moving their feet that they're walking on uneven ground. So they're actually subtly stepping up and down. Right. Without, and, and it's such a subtle thing. Like they could have just like not a shown their feet at all and just had the characters gliding just well, as it's an subtle, animation. But it's probably a big pain in the ass to do. Cause when yeah. you're walking like that, it's not just your feet, your whole body is reshifting its center of gravity constantly. And it's yeah. Yeah, they could have just not shown their feet and had the characters gliding at, like, an even pace, but they took the time to, like, show that they were walking on uneven ground, and you could kind of tell where, like, the ridges were, because you would see Kaz step up a little bit and step down, and we're talking stepping up, like, maybe three, four inches and stepping back down. Yeah. And they went through that, and it was such a subtle animation thing that I never noticed before, and it was really nice. Yeah, that they totally, totally wouldn't really have to do. Mm-hmm. Um... What well, one detail that I wondered about that I didn't see is I was wondering should it be cold on this planet? There's lots of there's lots of ice, you know, little little icebergs floating around, you know, ice flows. I think it's I think it's, I think it's coral. I don't think it's ice. I think it's all oh, coral. Oh, okay. Cuz but there there were those there were those ones under like when they're flying over the water, you'd see those ones and they'd be almost like ribbon candy. You know it's what all, I mean? It's all it's all coral. Oh, and okay. Because that uh, that looks like sometimes when big chunks of ice are under the water melting too. So I I thought it was I was getting it, ready for them to be cold and like to see their breath and stuff. But because if you actually pull up a photo, like um, they're little sandbars, and you can see like the coral sprouting out of the water from like little sandbars. Um, this this episode this sort of starts it. It's a little weird about like how they can like. Can they like they're like we got to get back to the Colossus and I'm like why don't you just radio them you know we haven't heard any reason why you couldn't radio them and then like a few minutes later they're talking about like ah I wish we could radio them but we're underground and well you were above ground before when you found the you know Imperial helmet so could you have radioed you know. So I think just, I think he got distracted because he was looking for Griff and then it was too late but yeah I totally see your point. And uh, like, and and at one point he's like, "CB4, contact the shit," you know. So, so it was just, it was just sort of unclear, but that's okay. It was floating with the plot. And I, and my only other note is Griff is about thirty percent John Wayne. He's got thirty percent <laughs> John Wayne going on. He's got a little bit of that swagger voice. <laughs> Steven Stanton is very good as Griff, and I Maybe like that. I, I was gonna compare him to. Um, Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China, but Kurt Russell was basically doing about 40% John Wayne. So it's the John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like Putty from a little bit of Putty from Seinfeld, too. I don't know that reference. Uh, I think that guy played Batman, too, maybe. I can't I never, remember the actor's name. No, he played the tick. That's what he played. I never watched Seinfeld. Hmm. I only know like, uh, like if, take take like a little handful of Skittles and throw them on a desk. That's about my knowledge. That's how much knowledge I have on Seinfeld. <laughs> it's a little finger full of Skittles. Um, for my notes, uh, I I I love Eos. I think it's one of the prettiest worlds in Star Wars. I, I I agree. I love seeing the rings because at first I was like, oh, wow, like, look at the ship trails. And then I was like, those are the rings of the planet. And they're always kind of there and they're so pretty. And 
like having these like coral trees coming out of the sandbars and the houses are all made of like shiny shells. It's so gorgeous. I love Aos as a planet. Um, and I like the sort of subtle debate, but it's also a nod towards Doza still wanting to hold back. Because Doza's like, I need to settle down somewhere for the people. And Kaz is not wrong. He's like, we're in a war. Like, it's going to come up. You can't just, like, drop the Colossus in the water and think you're fine. But I like seeing, like, that debate that Doza's having because he has hundreds of people to take care of. But uh, it's just a very interesting debate because I, I don't, neither of them are really wrong here. Because Doza's trying to do, is doing what's best for his people. But as much as he doesn't want to admit it, they're in a war. They can't just, like, start up racing again and think everything is going to be peachy king because they found a new planet. Like, that's not how that's going to work. Or selling fuel. Yeah. How are they going to be, like, gassing stuff? Are they going to start deep-sea drilling oil, like, in Eos? Like... No, if you're, if you're, like, if you're doing, if you're doing, well, I guess you could do, like, you could do like black market stuff, I guess would be, but still, no matter no matter what you do, in order to run a place that big, you would draw attention to yourself. You're, yeah, you even know? just like the economy of racing, like they would yeah. need people to come watch the races and stuff like that. Yeah, but I, and if but you I, don't do races or sell fuel, then just the the amount of stuff you would have, the money you would have to steal or earn to to supply that thing would be huge so either uh, there's just no way you can't draw a lot of attention with it the only thing i could think of is if it was more along the lines of because because Dosa never actually mentioned the races it was the aces that did the aces were like we can't wait to race again but all it, all Dosa kept saying was food and water like we're here to get food and yep. water we can settle here to make sure people are surviving and I think that was, like, where Dozer was coming from, of, like, this is a safe place for us to have access to food, we have access to water, it's out of the way, people aren't here, we're going to be safe. And I think that's what he was going for. But, like, Kaz still offers that argument, especially in Act 3, he has a really big speech to Yeager. And he's like, we're going to be always looking over our shoulder. <laughs> like, we can't just, like, settle in and be fine. Um, and I'll have more on that uh, later on. Um, and the only other note I have is I actually really like the dynamic of Griffin Kaz. I think they're a very interesting dynamic because for one, like it's fire and fire and noodly water. Um, like they're just yeah, but Griff off. is amazingly patient for for his character. You know, he's not as yeah. he's not as he's not as gruff as you would think he would be. Yeah, fire might not be the right thing. I was more just thinking opposites. Like Griff is like very steadfast and patient. Um, and Kaz is, of course, like very energetic and like always talking and all the yeah. time. While Griff is very silent. But there was like one one question, like one conversation in particular. And it was when Kaz was like, I don't know if we should settle the Colossus. And they were still flying. And Griff said something along the lines of like, well, you understand war now. Like you've seen it now, kid. Like you're a soldier now. And you understand what that means. And I really liked that conversation because Griff is this old soldier. Like, he's been a soldier since the Empire days. And, like, it's something that's ingrained in him. But Kaz is really experiencing war for the first time. And I thought that was just a really interesting conversation with the, where, Ka where Griff is like, you can't walk away from it now. Like, you know what it means to lose something and to fight and be in a war. And it was just a really nice little conversation. And I really liked their dynamic. 
especially like later on when Kaz is just like, I have all the suggestions, Chris. Do you want to hear my 12 part plan? And Chris just sitting in this jail cell going, oh my God. <laughs> They're just really, really good together. And I like that. And I'll have more on Griff later too, but. I just like the cells are like, you can't get out of them, but you can just go crawl over into your next door neighbor's cell if you wanted to. <laughs> just crawl to your buddy's cell. Yeah, they just like, got big holes. Yeah. Luckily, it's luckily Griff isn't like some hungry alien that just wants to eat Kaz, you know? That would be really funny because I can hear Kaz scream. I can hear his like, ah! <laughs> kind of scream that he does. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, that's what they should have done is put them in with the crackervora or, or whatever the the fish eat, angry fish flying eating things were. So, but that's all I had for Act One. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready for Act Two. Act Two and Three. Three links to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop, or else the world may never know. Two. <laughs> 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 I just, Mr. Uh, Owl. Act one, act two, <laughs> act three. <laughs> anyway, act two. Um, back on the Colossus, Captain Dad is like, "Oh my God, Geeker, this place is so good. It has food. It's out of the way. There is water, water, water everywhere. We're gonna have a great life here, and it's gonna be amazing." And Boss Dad Eager is like, you know, if a place is sounding too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true, friend. And the fact that Griff and Kaz are missing, maybe, just maybe, we should hold our excited horses. And Eager is right, because Kaz and CB23 get locked up in this, like, little cave electrical gel cell. But his buddy Griff is, like, right next door when Kaz can just, like, crawl up there and be like, hey, Griff, Griff. Griff, you want to do Mad Libs? You want to do Mad Libs? I love Mad Libs. And they're so deep in the cave that they can't even get their Mad Libs out to the Colossus for everybody else to play. Because CB and Griff's droid, whatever its name is, like R5 or something, I don't know. Um, they can't signal, get signal up to the caves. And they're all just like, well, this sucks. And Griff's like, why didn't you call them when you were still above ground? And Kaz is like, excuse me, you fucked right off and I had to go find you and I didn't think about it and that's not my fault. And Griff is like, oh my god. Anyway, back on the Colossus. They're all just like, yeah, we're all happy about this new world. But then 4D picks up something on the horizon and she's just like, Captain Doza, we're about to get attacked. And Doza's like, what? What do you mean we're about to get attacked? And sure enough, the Aeotians land on their flying fishes in the hangar with Yeager, Tora, and Hype. And it's time for all of them to meet the locals. And they're all just like, hey, fish people with spears, what's going on? And Niku's like, oh boy, new friends. Hello, I am Niku. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Colossus. I'm here to be your friend. Would you like your friendly welcome hug? Because I can give you friendly welcome hugs. And the Aeotians are like, nah, we're fish people, we don't want hugs. So they make their spears all glowy and like crackling and electrifying, like, we're gonna fight you. And it's a bad time because B1, our adorable little battle droid that we were introduced last episode, just comes in and he's all like, oh, Commander Nico, you look like you're in danger because they don't want one of your greeting hugs. 
Roger, roger! Attack! And before Niku can tell the droids to stand down, the droids fire on the, the Aotians. And Yeager's like, oh, dang it. This is the worst. Outside. Uh, and then outside, Freya and Bo must get eaten by Aotians. It's fine. So a fight breaks out in the hangar. I actually wrote that note because I thought they would do more and then they didn't. So, yeah. Freya, Freya and Bo wish they could be characters. A fight breaks out in the hangar and Yeager's like, everyone needs to chill your tents. Everyone chill your tents. Everyone, calm down. Fall back. We cannot fight the fish people. I mean, we probably could, but then it would make us look really bad. So everyone get back here. And he pulls all the kids into the hallway. Well, the kid's in hype, but the hype's pretty much a big kid. He pulls them all in the highway, and they lock the doors, and they have the Aotians in the hangars. But the Aotians have these, like, sparkly, glitter, electricity spears that are, that are like, fiber braids. And they start prying open the doors, and everyone's like, ah! Anyway, so, <laughs> back with Griff and Kaz. Kaz is like, so, if you don't want to play Mad Libs, Griff, did you see that Rebel base? And Griff is like, yeah, I did. And you're right. If the rebel base is destroyed and the First Order has been here, they probably left some probe droids or a beacon behind or something, and the Colossus cannot stay here. And Kaz is like, we're on the same page. We're like one mind. And Griff is like, we are not one mind. And, and Kaz is like, are we soulmates? And Griff's like, can I be eaten by a fish person, please? Okay, thanks. And the guards come right about that time, and Griff's like, Thank God, sweet embrace of death. And Griff and Kaz are brought before Queen Lucy Lawless. And Queen Lucy is just, like, royal and beautiful, and she's gorgeous. So Kaz is like, Alright, you're old, and I'm young, and and hot. So I'm gonna talk to the queen. And, Chris, and Griff's like, Okay, good luck. <laughs> so Kaz gets up there. And it's just like, hello, my name is Kazuda. Can you say Kazuda? And the queen is like, bitch, I speak English. You're being rude as fuck right now. We're not idiots. What the fuck are you doing right now, you rude ass bitch? Seriously, what the fuck? Kaz is like, I'm so sorry. I just assumed that you were a fish pe person. And Queen Lucy's like, you know what? That's why you shouldn't assume. Because it makes an ass of you and only you. Not me, though. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and you know what? If you're here in my town, you're here in my fish city, you're going to pay for your crimes. And Kaz is like, whoa, 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 crimes. What crimes? We didn't do any crimes. And she was like, yeah, first of all, you talk to me like an idiot. That's not cool. Second of all, your little first per first order fuckers attacked us and you killed all of our healers. And look, we even found this stormtrooper helmet. And she holds up Griff's helmet and Griff's just like, I really shouldn't wear that helmet anymore. It's a bad day helmet. And Kaz is like, your majesty, your majesty. First of all, I'm so sorry for talking to you like a five-year-old. It won't happen again. Secondly, we have medicine supplies. We can absolutely come help you out. But she doesn't want to hear it. She's like, your little triangle ship in the sky, your little Colossus, is clearly a Star Destroyer. I don't want to hear the difference. It's clearly a Star Destroyer. You're here to kill us. And we are going to feed you to our little flying fishes. And they're going to have a good time. Queen out. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> uh, 
I, I I was a little confused over the Krakalakatoas um <laughs> being being the the flying fish. Yeah, I I had that note in the back um in the background information and I just decided not to put it in there. But yes, the flying fish are the things same things that they're being fed to. Yeah, so they like yeah, they they never made it clear that the those were the the it would have it would have made a nice little joke if that was well, they kind of did because because she was like two of the crackalacko thingies and Cat's yeah, and like then, no the cat no and then it shows them flying on them to show that those were that so it kind of yeah, was a joke but it but it, like Not you could tell joke. if they were flying I thought maybe they're flying to the you know the crackalakatoa oh I didn't I say it was a good good joke yeah they tried but it didn't it didn't land um, the only other thing I had is I love Griff's droid it kind of looks like a probe droid it's kind of got a little probe droid in its head oh i can kind of see that yeah it's like an imperial droid that he's had along with him so it's it's kind of cool I, I i wish we would hear it talk more to hear if it talks like a tro- probe droid i'll have to go back and listen to it because it does do a little bit of talking but i can't well, remember if it sounds like it, it doesn't do anything probe droidish, but i wonder if it could you know or if it does it, it should well, if its head popped off and just floated around. Yeah, that would be really cool. Little legs dangling out. It could just be a probe droid shoved into the garbage can part of a... R2 unit. R2 unit, yeah. That'd be so cool! Yep. Missed opportunity. <laughs> but that's all I got. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, for my notes on this one, um, I... I, I love the ongoing joke that people are still betting against Kaz's life because Hype was like, I have 20 credits that Griff left him for dead. <laughs> and I I missed that joke I from, from episode four where everybody's been betting on Kaz's life. It's such a good one. Um, I, I'm glad that the battle droids wasn't a one and done and they brought them back for this episode. And they're just kind of part of the security now. And the battle droids are there. And I, I'm I'm glad that it wasn't like a one episode storyline they're back so i don't know how you could ignore that you have battle droids i know (laughs) right i'm going to make a statement okay oh okay and this is saying something because resistance is a gorgeous show this might be the prettiest episode of resistance oh really hands down just might be the prettiest episode it's up there it's very up there for me, and it's gorgeous. And this is, ah, I love this episode. I love the queen. I love her design. I love her. I love the moment where, like, Kaz is speaking to her, like, very slowly. And she's just, like, looking at him like, oh, my God, he's an idiot. And then she just you starts break talking. It to him, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I love her. And she's so, she's sassy. We can tell she's clearly powerful. And I like that she's active. Like, she's the one that's, like, Leading the walkway, she goes and talks to Dozer herself. Like, I love her. I love her. And I wish we had a name. Star Wars, give us name for characters. Stop calling them unidentified alien queen. <laughs> um, so something I thought that was really interesting, and it might have it might have uh, been something that kind of like went over the head of just like a more casual fan, and, and maybe I wouldn't have noticed this if I was a more casual fan. 
But I like the mix-up between the Colossus and the Star Destroyers and the fact that Griff wears his ex-Stormtrooper stuff and the First Order just attacked them. I thought that was a really interesting mix-up because the the Aeotians have no idea to, like, why they're different. And they don't fucking care at all, too. But the Colossus was an old Imperial ship, so it has that Star Destroyer shape. And the fact that they brought out Griff's helmet, which is... Is a nice segue into my next joke. Stro- my next joke. My next note. Um, this is the role I've wanted for Griff, and this is this is the one I was talking about. That's like in retrospect uh, a criticism. This is the role I've always wanted for Griff for the entire show since day one. He is an ex-imperial. He flies a modified Tie Fighter. He knows how the First Order thinks. He understands at least their basic protocols. He knows why and how they act and why they're doing it. His intel is one of, should be, should have been some of the highest priority since day one of this show. And he should have always been a very active role in this. We should have had conversations of him and Doza going, we need to figure out what to do with these First Order people because they are invading our ship. And we know how these people work. We know why they work and what they're doing. Well, and the it would also have been interesting to see that, like, because, like, I see, I think they would, like, as the First Order sort of copying the Empire, but, like, they're, like, di- they're different, you know? The Empire was was one thing that Palpatine formed together through, you know, politics and stuff, but... This the the first order was something he seemed to cobble together through like just miserable like incel guys like Kylo Ren, you know. (laughs) So it's a different dynamic, but they're still like they would have insight into it as to they like are copying the empire, but I think there would also be like big big, you know. I I don't know if I could rifle off any off the top of my heads, but I'm sure there would be you could have situations where like they miscalculate because the first order is not the empire, you know. It is in a lot of ways, but in the same in other ways, it's you know. And that would have been really interesting because from the get go, like Griff was one of the biggest red herrings of like who was the spy on the Colossus because he's the Imperial on the on the group flying around a Tie Fighter. But there there's so much story potential with Griff that they've always could have used. And as, as you were talking and explaining that, I thought of an episode of Rebels, and it's the episode. I, th- I think it's the episode where Kanan and Rex are both undercover as stormtroopers. I- I'm pretty sure it's that episode. And Rex was talking to Kanan like, yeah, me and Cody wrote most of these protocols together that the Empire uses now because the Republic just became the Empire and they kept all the protocols the same. And I mean, they made changes and stuff like that, but the clones pretty much wrote the- those programs. And that's interesting because it's pretty much the same here. Like the empire just became the first order too. So there's, there still wouldn't be that much change, but it would be fun to see, like, can you imagine Griffin an undercover mission with Kaz and like Griff's like putting in a code. He's like, Oh no, that code doesn't work here anymore. Oh no. <laughs> Cause it used to work in the empire, but it doesn't work here. Um, or, like, maybe they change their flight patterns and they're trying to, like, be, like, sneaky undercover TIE fighters. Like, there's so much potential with Griff's character. There's so much they could have done with this character. And, like, 
seeing this and seeing him and hearing him now and like and the prejudice against him too because i'm sure there is a lot of prejudice against imperials we know this from books like alphabet squadron but it would have been like good to see that on screen did like that moment where they bring out griff's helmet like it's a heart dropping moment and you know exactly what the aeotians are thinking and what the misunderstanding is from a single visual image and i just wanted so much more of that in the show and I feel like they should have been doing that with Griff since day one. Because fucking Kaz freaks out when he finds out that Doza is an Imperial and finds his captain uniform. But he never has that moment with Griff, who wears a TIE fighter uniform every day and flies a TIE fighter. And Kaz never has that moment with him. Well, and- they made a show. They made a show with this with this extended cast. Uh, ensemble cast and it only went two seasons you know so it's just full of people who don't didn't get you know their their characters developed i mean i i joke but freya and bo is one of those because they didn't the ship's full of them you know, yeah. or conflicts, you know. There's no, at least had like other things. Like we know that they like we saw their family, we heard about their mother, like we you know, at least they had something. Like, but but there's plenty of people, yeah. So I I don't know. It just the the, the underuse of Griff has always bothered me because yeah. and, and and I do know some of his bias. Well he's just, even in the trailers, like I was about seen, to say the exact same thing. He seemed int- the most like one of the most interesting elements of it, you know. And and I'm, that's I think that's where it is. Like I was very biased the moment I saw the Meet the Aces trailer before the show ever started. When I saw the Tie Fighter like pilot in that trailer, I was like, "Oh, in this day and era age, he's gonna be the most interesting yeah, because nope. he's the one that." is most tied to being close to the first order. And I bet he's going to be a red herring and just his design. Like just the fact that he's flying a modified tie fighter, wearing his tie fighter uniform. Like it, just the design screams story in a first order world. And it just, it still bothers me. And seeing just him in this episode, how he's acting, how they're using him just makes me look back at the rest of the series and go, why weren't you using him more? That's my note. <laughs> but that's all I have for this episode. Uh, for this episode, this act. Did you have anything else? No. Let's prep this Krakatoa up. Prep the crack. Prep. That sounds like a bad '90s slang. Like prep, prep the crack, yo. Prepavora. Don't. It sounds prep. like a mi- the, it was the Krakavora sounds like a mixture of carnivora, that that weird like medical supplement crack quack stuff they sell on like radio shows that's <laughs> made out of venus fly traps and, Wait, the, wh- and the crack well you completely lost me what you've, ne- you've never heard of well, at, like on any am radio station if you listen to any talk radio station especially anything where like old people are listening there's some you know it's like some you know, pills, medical supplements you take made from, it's like a supplement made from, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's from um, Venus flytraps, hence the name carnivora, because they're carnivorous plants. But, you know, it's a, it's a, the, the, the ads are hilarious, like a little old lady on the phone going, 
all my teeth were, you know, or, you know, I was having it and the doctor said we're going to have to operate. And then I started taking carnivore and then I said, let's cancel that operation. I feel great since then. Thank you, carnivora. Type thing. So the crackivora sounds like the kraken and carnivora to me. Can I just say, and I say this with love. You starting that entire story with, yeah, for anybody who listens to AM radio, is the most Stan Pines thing I think you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> because that is I don't one. listen. To, I, I listen to AM radio sometimes in the shower, like before I go to bed, you know, like uh, if if the you know, if they're talking about UFOs or something like that or maybe NPR. I can't take NPR for very long, though. But my coworker, who I get rides from from work, who's like he has he has a and he totally hates all the AM radio hosts. But he has it on in his car, so every day I get to hear a nice little sampling of our different AM radio hosts and in carnivore ads. I hear carnivore ads during um oh what the hell is the the UFO uh, uh coast to coast that used to have Art Bell now has George Norrie as the host although they rarely have ufos and when they do it's not the same as in the old days you saying sometimes i'm in the shower listening about ufos does not help that your standpoint sounding like i'm not pines. fighting it I, who said <laughs> i'm gonna be fighting that you know embrace it <laughs> yeah but yeah come on i'm i've been that's been like my yeah yeah that's been an arc in my life so i'm yeah <laughs> anyway, let's remember wrap. I did the Stan Volutions. I know. Oh, I know. I know. I'm about to edit your last Stan Volution. Uh, soon. Oh God, that was so long ago. I know. I know. I'm oh, fell off the life wagon. It's fine. She's getting back up on it slowly but surely. <laughs> slowly but surely. Give me money. <laughs> Go check out my coffee. Give me money so I can be on the life wagon. Anyway, Act Three. Act Three. So on the way down, to be fed to the fishes. Not in like a mafia way, to literal fishes. Actually, I guess that is literal fishes. They put people in cement and throw them in a river. So they do get eaten by fishes. So in the mafia way, and the Aotian way. Um, they walk by the medical ward, and Kaz sees the injured Aotians. And he's just like, I have to be a hero. Miss Queen Lucy, I am so sorry about all my bullshit earlier. I just really want to help your people. And Queen Lucy's like, I don't want to hear it. So Kaz looks at CB and he's like, CB, do plan B. And CB's like, I can't believe we actually have a plan made, but here we go. It shows your character development. And CB fills the cavern with smoke. And Kaz slides out of there like a freaking action hero. And he sprints to the injured people. He doesn't try to get away. He goes to the injured people. And he injects one with magical mystery Star Wars healing medicine that can apparently do everything. Because Star Wars medicine is great, apparently. But they can't save Padme when she's dying of birth, apparently. But this is fine. Um, but the Aotians kick in the door and they're like, Get away from our people! And they, they, they hold their little spears towards Kaz. And Griff, bless him. This, this is where he's great. He picks up on what Kaz is doing. And he only needs to pick a fight long enough to distract them. And he's all just like, I'm Griff! Fight me! And the Aotians, Aotians are like, what? And it's enough time because the Aotian that was injured is magically healed. 
with his magical, mystical Star Wars medicine that can do everything but save Padme. And Queen Lucy is like, oh, cool, so you're a healer. And Kaz is like, I've been trying to tell you that for the last six minutes of this episode. Yes, we want to help you. And she's like, okay, cool, uh, let's just hop on the flying fishes. So they go on the, the Krakavora that's not a Venus wife trap, and they fly through the air back to the Colossus. And it's just in time, too, because things are escalating really fast with Yeager and his team, and the Aeotian soldiers are breaking through the doors, and then security droids are showing up, and it's about to be a really bad fish food massacre. But don't worry, everybody. Kaz, Griff, and Queen Lucy are here. And Queen Lucy jumps off like a regal ballerina and lands perfectly and gracefully. And Griff jumps off like an action hero and does a barrel roll and lands. And Kaz just slides face first across the floor because he is Kaz and it's funny. And they're there just in time to smooth out all the details. So Kaz and Doza and all of them meet with the Aeotians and they give them medicine. And the Queen, Queen Lucy is like... Thank you so much for this medicine. And Doza's like, no, thank you. Like, we didn't know you were here. The First Order took our world, too. We're only looking for a safe place. <coughs> Not the title of next week's episode, but very close. <coughs> we'll get back to that. And Doza's like, look, we're the invaders of your world. We will leave because you were here first. We shouldn't be here. We don't want to bring you danger. And Queezy's, 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 Queezy, Queezy's, Queen, there's actually a place near my sister's house, I think, called uh, Queezy's, and it's, like, where you can get, like, pot stickers and stuff like that, and I was just like, mmm, mmm, so good. Uh, they're very, very tasty. If you're ever in that area, go to Quasi's. Um, but Queen Lucy says, she's all like, no, no, we used to let the rebels hang out here. And they were really nice and honorable. And you guys gave us medicine. So the least we can do is, um, you know, let you guys stay as long as this asshole doesn't talk to me like a five-year-old ever again. And Cass is like, again, I'm sorry for that. I didn't know. She was like, that's why you shouldn't assume. Bye-bye. And she leaves a dozer to go talk and like, smooth out details. During all this, Yeager has been watching Cass, and he's just like, there's something wrong with my son. I have dad senses tingling. And the moment they're alone, Yeager's like, son, tell me what's on your mind. And Kaz has a really great speech, actually. And he's like, look, Yeager, the First Order was here. The war is coming for us. We can run, we can hide, but until the First Order is gone, we will never be safe. We will always be looking over our shoulder. We can't just set the Colossus down and be fine with it. Because it's not fine, Yeager. We have to get out there and fight. Or else, what's the point of doing any of this if we're always paranoid and running? And Yeager's like, you may be right, kid. And whatever happens, we're going to face it together. But Kaz doesn't look so sure. And he goes and he gazes out the window. And he's clearly thinking about something deep in thought. And you know it's serious when Kaz is thinking. The end. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. So what do you think of Act 3? Yeah, I had a note about the medicine, too. Just like, oh, geez. I... Hey, this guy's sick. But the guy's like, I you was... know, what if the guy had like a broken arm or something like that? I it's just know. like, okay, give him some pain medicine or something. But it's just like, 
Yeah. It's so funny. I, I love Star Wars. It's goofy. It's just like the radios. It's just like all the security systems and, and lacks of security system and things that work and don't work one minute. Yeah. But. And, and hyperspace moves at the speed of plot and they have this like magical spray medicine, but like Padme dies of sadness. <laughs> like there's just things, things move at the speed of plot in Star Wars. And, and it's just one of those things you have to be fine with. But, um, like, Kaz sort of has half the, like, he has a speech, and it, it would have been clunky if he did, the like, all of what I think he should have. Because he was doing the, like, and he's, you know, symbolically or real, or just in, or actually literally, he he's starting to think, you know, I might have to go, like, go, go with Poe, you know, be a, be an yeah. active part of the rebellion and, and, two episodes and not ago, stay here. No. You know, two episodes ago, he had the chance to go, but he was yeah. like, I better stay. And he was probably right to stay, but he's thinking, I can't, you know, I can't forever, especially if they settle down, I'm going to have to go fight the first order. You know, I'm, I'm already hooked on it. And, and Griff sort of backed that up. But I think there should have been a conversation though, even though Lucy Lawless was all into them staying, it's just like, Look, if we stay here, you know, these people are just trying to live their life. And like if if we're not here, yeah, the empire, you know, the first order maybe might stop out every once in a while to make sure that nobody's rehab habitated the rebel base or whatever. But like the people could just make keep a low profile and, you know, not have to worry, you know, they're not going to get like wiped out probably. But like if 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 the Colossus was there, definitely that would endanger the people there. And so I, 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 I almost was expecting Kaz to be like, look, you know, even though these people, you know, are with us because, you know, they're honorable, you know, should we endanger their civilization, you know, just for a place for us to stay? It's not like they're helping the greater rebellion or anything at large by staying there they're just finding a place to stay but they're staying there could take out all you know take out all those people although they actually are pretty tough but because it's the very last part of the episode and i'm wondering if they had like another minute if they would have gone there because they just kind of run out of time right there at the end um so yeah i but i totally hear what you're saying like i, I mean this got stuff got covered in clone wars but that was in less that we're in a combination civil we're, we're, well, we're in, in actually all around civilian context, even though there's people there who are spies and ex-military and stuff, it's a civilian context. And in, in Clone Wars, they could argue like, Hey, if these people want to fight with us, you know, the war's going to come to with them anyway. It's better that they're with the good guys, you know? Yeah, or whatever, whereas that's not as much the case in this this situation. It's kind of interesting as you were saying that because this this episode was written by Jennifer Corbett, who is the the series head writer for Bad Batch. This is kind of the dilemma that the Bad Batch have. They're because they're ex soldiers and there's this rebel. They know there's this rebellion going on around them, but they're trying to live civilian lives and. It's interesting because they're not in the same boat as Kaz, but they're kind of like in the backwards boat of that, like where they're just trying to survive and figure out life. But you can tell that they're not in the life they want to be in because they're soldiers. And it, it, it kind of 
feels similar but different. And well, their soldiers are also battled out. They're also like mm-hmm. kind of over it at this point, you know. I, some I, I I don't quite f- agree with that, but I see how you got that point. Um, because I, I think I, so much. Of I it don't is, see them wanting to join a cause. You know, I can see them being like, "Let's look out for each other and the kid," but. Like, I I feel that they're split because Echo very clearly wants to go help Rex. Um, I, I think that they're definitely split on that because I think Hunter just wants to keep Omega safe. I feel like Tech, yeah. Tech I just feel like wherever he's smartest, he'll be happy. Wrecker likes fighting, um, but I feel like Echo is the one that was very vocal. Like He's the one that kept going up to Hunter going, what are we doing? Why are we working for Sid? Why are we not doing more stuff? And I feel like Echo is definitely in the boat of... I actually wouldn't be surprised if Echo left at one point and went and joined Rex. Like, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Right, right. So, but I, I feel like Kaz is in this kind of weird position of, like, between Hunter and Echo. Where, and actually this is a nice lead into my one big note. Um, I really like Kaz's dilemma. Um, because he doesn't have a home planet in the, anymore. His Hussian Prime is gone. And the Colossus is his home. He he loves this place. He loves the people here. And as long as the Colossus is on the run, he doesn't have a reason to leave. But now, if it does take on a permanent home, he's then faced with the choice it's of... kind of obligated to, to leave. leave. And to go help the Resistance. Because, in a way, if he goes and helps the Resistance, it would be a way to protect the Colossus, because he'd be fighting in the war. And that's where I, I feel like he's in that place between Hunter and... And, and Echo, because Hunter, like Kaz, wants to protect the people that he loves, but like Echo, he's obligated to go fight in this war. And I, I think that's a really interesting dilemma, and I think it's a very earned moment for him. Um, I, I Even though the speech is kind of basic, I feel like it's a very earned speech for Kaz. He's grown so much, and he's realizing, especially after talking with Griff, he can't run away anymore. He can't always stay here. He has to go fight in this war. And he knows that the Colossus won't be safe. And that's a big choice. If he leaves the Colossus, is he leaving it unattended, even though he knows it's not 100% safe? But this it's safer here than it has been in a while. So it's a very, it's a very well, interesting dilemma. Well, the thing about Kaz is the Colossus has Yeager and Doza and Gr- it has a lot of grizzled people, like people with a lot of experience, a lot more experience than him. Well, he—I mean, he—he—he he, he was raised in the New Republic Navy. He's a fighter pilot. He's always been a fire, fighter pilot since day one. Yeah, but he's been like, you know, he was basically ROTC. You know, he was. He no, did. he wasn't. He was an actual fighter pilot. <laughs> he took out uh, the Red Baron guy. He was the only one to fight him and take him out before Poe or Yeager. He was and, not ROTC. Like he was officially part of the New Republic Navy. Right, but remember he hadn't really fired a real gun and There's a difference between a ship and a gun. Well yeah, but yeah, but I'm saying, but he's not he's not a battle hardened he's not a battle hardened veteran. He's a he's a greenhorn. He's he's going into war. Whereas Yeager and Doza and Griff have all done that. They've all been young, gone and fought the fought the fight, you know. And if you drag them back, if, if they're dragged back in, they're going to fight. But they're, you know, they've, they've, they're, they're, you know, there's sort of, it's sort of a, a fight for, it's, it's a fight for Kaz's generation more, you know, than anything. But I'm, but either way, Yeager, but Yeager and, and Doza and 
Griff have seen more things in their little toenails, you know, than Kaz has yet, you know, because they're they're old grizzled veterans, you know. Yeah, but I, w- I would argue like Kaz's then in, in that context is more of that middle ground, though, because he definitely has more experience than, say, Hype, Tora and, and Freya, who didn't even know how to work in a fighting right, group because they right. were just racers. Right, but he could like he could safely like say to himself, "Look, you know the Colossus is the Colossus is you know gonna uh, take care of it, you know." And if if he's so important, then then at the same time, then what's the rebellion doing without him? Gonna do without him? You know, it's a mm-hmm. it's at that point where it, it like you know where is Kaz more important and like, yeah, he could defend the Colossus, but like, you know, a couple years, a couple years fighting the first order and Kaz is going to be a, a crack commando, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, and if, and if Kaz is somehow involved in, and it's very possible because he was hanging around Poe and, and princess Leia, you know, that Kaz is involved in some big battle that takes out the first order, then Colossus has nothing to worry about, you know? So, yeah. you know, uh, I'm, uh, that's Matthew's and it is young. That's where the, what the young people do. That's where you send the young people because they're young <laughs> and Kaz is also young and with enough experience to go out without like, you know, getting himself killed and, you know, immediately. Yeah, I see what okay. you're saying, um, but I, I just what I was what I was more saying. I like just how it's framed here, um, and I think what I like most about this episode when it comes to Kaz is it really shows both who he is while showing how far he's come. Because um, most of the episode, he's still being that goofy kid. He's talking Griff's ear off. He's being silly. He's falling down things, but he's also a fighter now, and he has this like big speech at the end, and it really has, it's a good episode to show that he's still the person he's always been, this kind, bright energy, while still being, like, where he's come and now as a fighter, so. Um, I, I really liked this episode for Kaz's, for, for Kaz overall. Um, the only other note was, uh, I really like Yeager's line of saying, like, don't send in fighters, Dozo, we're the ones trespassing on Eos. And it really reminded me of that line from Han in Solo when he's in the Imperial battlefield and he's like, sir, we're the ones invading. Like, why are we fighting? And it just really reminded me of that line, which feels nice because uh, Resistance was developed alongside Solo. So it felt like it was kind of like coincided with that. So, But yeah. I, I, like, I like that Yeager was aware of that. of just like, we don't need to be fighting these guys. We're invading them. We need to leave. Let's go. Um, we, I in contrast to probably the first order where they were just like, let's take over. <laughs> so, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? Mm, no, not really. I'm ready to score it up. Score this puppy up then, Chris. It's uh, another 8.5 for me. Ooh, why? Solid. Rock solid. Okay, I thought there would be more. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I gave it a 9 out of 10, actually. I I think it's a gorgeous episode. I love the character work. I'm glad that Griff is finally getting to do things. I love everything that they do with him. 
Um, I like seeing how they frame Kaz's dilemma and like where he is at this point in the series. Um, the action's fun. It's a gorgeous episode. It's beautiful. I, I just, I really love this episode so much and it's a lot of fun. And even just like little things like not dropping the battle droids, like letting them come back and do more stuff from last episode. So it's, it's just fun all around. I gave it a 9.10 out of 10. It was really good. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or on twotruefreaks.com. And this week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our Resistance episode, the Vox Vortex 5000, that we had our lovely guest Eli on. Yes, that was a lot of fun. All right, this is a Facebook uh, comment from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh. Yeah. I get to do two voices in it. Oh yeah. I was waiting for Frankie the Hut to say, Well if it isn't Lone Star and his sidekick puke. It sounded just like Pizza the Hut. You oh, really yeah. did. <laughs> I'm surprised neither of us made the Pizza the Hut reference in that since we are we actually have done a commentary for I kind of feel the same way. Like the moment I saw Paul's uh, comment, I was a little ashamed of myself. Yes. Yeah, the moment I saw Paul's comment, I was just like, "We missed an opportunity. I missed yeah. so many jokes." How did we miss that? Yeah, and uh, you know what? You know what is a good way to uh, make the shame thing. go away? Eat candy. Chocolate. Gotta open this though. Oh, mine's all. Well, if you don't know what we're doing, you know the spiel. Chris hates American Kit Kats, so our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review. And this week, we are eating the Nestle Choquito, and it's from Australia. Is it? Is this? Superlatali. It's the Ulker. The Ulker's I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. The Ulker Chip, uh, uh, Chip Fata, and it's from Turkey. I'm sorry, I was reading the wrong yeah. one. Wow. Mm. Holy shit. Yes, the ukers. We had some ukers in the last batch, and they were all really oh good. And this God. one does not fail. Does mm. not does not disappoint at all. Mm. Oh my God! It says it's the. It says bitter on the outside, and it has super dark, bitter chocolate, but just oh a thin layer of it. Mm-hmm. So it and is really the- bitter, but then it hits the sweet, waffery middle and oh my god mm. it totally balances out the, mm-hmm. the sweetness oh my oh smell it crisp uh, yeah oh. that's the thing is it has like that smell that you get in the back of your throat and the back of your nose Ulker is a Ulker is a hell of a candy company i just have oh to my say. god i don't i don't think we've had a single one that disappointed us from them good job turkey ma'am I'm going to see if I'm going to go and see if I can find an Ulker dealership. Mm. Mm. Holy shit. Mm. Okay. I am devouring this thing. I have to put it down. Because I almost just hovered this entire candy bar. And it's like a full size candy bar. In like a single sitting. Oh my god. Mm. Dario. Oh yes, Ukur exports to over 110 countries, so we should be able to get our hands on some more Ukur. Mm. 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 Quality. Dario, my god, thank you. Oh, 
Oh, so good. Get it out of the park this time, Dario. What what what's that? What's the 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 good uh, juices in your brain that gets released when you have chocolate? What's that? Endorphins. Endorphins are just on it. Like yes. endorphins are just like kicking ass, and they're just like yeah. fuck yeah, let's go. It's that chocolate, yeah. It's that dark chocolate, yeah. It really hits oh, the man. pleasure centers. Yes, it did. Absolutely did. Mm. Well, um, do you have anything else for the new world? No. uh Well, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com, our website, where you can find this and all our other Two True Freaks podcasts. It's there 24-7 because it's the internet and it never turns off, never goes off the air. It plays the Pledge of Allegiance, or the Pledge of Allegiance, the national anthem. <laughs> mm. Mm, no test pattern at least up to this point uh, you can also find us on Facebook where we've got the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post all our po- podcasts up and the Two True Freaks Cantina where you can go and actually like talk to people man uh, we are also on the Accursed Twitter and our Twitter page is run by Gene Gene the Dancing Machine <gasps> Oh, you had a whole routine this time. Apparently. I went for it. You set me up. That was not planned, everybody. But that's where you can find me and Jean. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find us at Guys and Jedi on Twitter. That is our Twitter account that I run. You can also find me at Hope Malonex. I'm very, very, very excited to announce that I am officially a writer for the Geeky Waffle. Hope so it's you, a waffle. I'm a waffle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the yeah, 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 but yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. blue. She's very happy. I am, I am. So I'm officially a Geeky Waffle. Um, you can read my reviews over there, and you can also read more of my writing over at my website, geekygirlexperience.com. Um, and Chris and I also have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I make him watch my favorite animated shows, and I just posted part one of the Gravity Falls finale today. So by the time this episode comes out, it will definitely be up there, because I already posted it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah! So, yeah, go check us out! So I had to. I wrote this whole joke earlier because I was like, "Oh, it's a safe place!" Ha 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 ha. That's because the title of next week's episode is "No Safe Place." Ha ha! Space ah. snowflakes. <laughs> but you'll be excited because Tam's in next week's episode. Ah, finally. Yeah, yeah. So I am. Very, very, very excited for next week. Next week's gonna be good. If I remember correctly, it was a good episode. Woo! Good episode. Yet? What's it called? No safe place. Oh, that's right. right. <laughs> the thing I yeah, just we said. just went over that. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. All right, you guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. 
Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.